the latest episode of The Claws Corner. Today's guest began writing poems as a young girl. She would stick them in her nightstand, waiting for the melodies to bring them to life. Well, it wouldn't take long once she picked up the paper because the music would come flowing out of her. Music served as a cathartic outlet. She took a small break from music to build a business with her fiancé, but in 2021, a traumatic experience brought her back to playing music yet once again. Her latest single, Runaway Ship, had over 10,000 streams within the first five days of its release. It's my pleasure to welcome musician Julia Porman to the Claws Corner. Julia, how are you? I am doing so well. How are you? I am great. Thank you very, very much for being on the show. As I've been listening to your music, I love it. It's such Thank a, you. You have such a beautiful voice. It's so powerful. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, want to talk, I want to start with what I mentioned in the intro, Runaway Ship. I mean, in the first five days, you had over 10,000 streams. Congratulations on that. Thank you. What is it up to now? Do you know? Uh, yes, I, ch I do check it daily, I have to say, just because, you know, I'm super intrigued. But it's a little over 70,000 now. So, yeah. And yeah. So when did it premiere? Um, Pretty much exactly a month ago. I launched it on the 13th of January. Wow. So mm -hmm. you got to tell me, what's your secret? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been, um, I've really been pushing it to Spotify playlists. Um, and the cool thing is I think people are really liking it. So they're saving it and they're replaying it on their own time, which is really cool. Cause it's one thing to just get on a playlist, but in order to capture that, like intent to listen and, and make sure people are actually enjoying it and, you know, adding it to their own playlists and stuff, that's what really matters. Um, and what really kind of means that you're, you know, you're doing something and people are catching on. Yeah. Well, you released two singles recently. One was Runaway Ship. The other one, which you have a video for, and I love the video. It's just you running on the beach through the woods. And yeah. there's actually a little story, but I'm going to talk about some of the people in the video. But the single is called Already Got It. What's that about? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, of course, after you write a song, you kind of like deep dive into like more facets of maybe more in your subconscious um what it was about more than you thought you know what I mean like so I was kind of feeling it out and I'm like you know what I kind of feel like the song is really all about perspective right so it's like you know what we need we've already got sure like you know food and shelter and you know like thank god lucky um feel very blessed for that but um you know also just like the way that you frame things like in your own mind um it's like just being being able to be happy despite the circumstances or at least even just be at peace despite your circumstances no matter where you are living or what you have or if you're in a relationship or not or if your body is exactly how you want it to be or not it's just like being able to have that perspective um, with yourself and being able to be at peace I think is is really at the root of what it's about yeah well unfortunately in this age, I think social media puts a lot of pressure on people because people, if you look at their Facebook page, that's for the most part, it's not really who they are. They're living their yeah. best life for probably the life they wish they were living on Facebook. Then people look at that and they have the FOMO moment, the fear of missing out. We're like, oh my God, they're doing this, they're doing this. How come I wasn't invited? I wish I'd be, I wish I had this much fun in my life as they're looking at their phone. I'm like, and luckily for me, it sounds like you have the same personality. It was like, I don't really have any competition, but with myself, I'm happy with what I'm doing and I'm happy for other people's success, but I never, ever, it's like, oh, why do they have that? How come I don't have that? 
the question is, is like, well, how am I going to get that if I want it? So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. Um, I think social media just is such a, it's such a highlight reel and it's, it's like, it's not that it's false necessarily. Yeah. It's just that it's not the whole picture. And it's like, when you're only feeding one side of the story, you don't get the, you know, the full scope of someone's life. And, you know, you feel like your life is so tragic compared to this other person's, but you know, maybe you should look at your own Instagram reel or your own Facebook's, you know, your own Facebook timeline and see, are you posting when you're like having a breakdown and crying and feeling like your world's falling apart? Are you feeling like you want to post then? Like, no, nobody else is either. <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny because I have a lot of people say, Rich, when are you going to post again? I live vicariously through your pictures because I like yeah. <laughs> to do a lot. Of, I have a lot of, I have many interests. And I do a lot of different things. And whenever I post different things, like, oh my God, this is so cool. And yeah, so you're right. It's not fake, but I'm, I'm not going to post like, oh, today was just horrible. It was boring. Right. I'm not gonna, yeah, so I, I agree with that. And I think that once you put put it into perspective, as you said, people are looking at yours going, wow, Julia's got such a great life instead of other people saying, you know, instead of you going, boy, Rich really has a great, you know, so I, I love that you you brought that in the, the video. Where was it filmed? Um, so the video was filmed in a couple different locations. Uh, I had part of it filmed here at, at a beach near Asbury Park um, in Deal. And the rest of it was filmed. Um, there's a bakery in Asbury Park called um, Confections of a Rockstar. Really cool bakery. Um, if anyone's ever in the area, definitely check them out. Um, I also filmed part of it in Hartshorn Woods. That's up in the Highlands in New Jersey. Um, and then we got, to, we got really lucky. A friend would let me use her, her house to film as well. Um, so yeah, just kind of a, you know, a multitude of locations, but it all came together to, to create this story that I really wanted to tell. Now, did you come up with the concept yourself? Um, yes, mainly. And then, um, you know, either my fiance might've chimed in with an idea or two, and then the director, you know, Nate, timed in or chimed in with an idea or two and it just kind of all came together um really beautifully i was really really happy with the way they were helped they were able to help me portray the story that i wanted to tell um really beautifully yeah, yeah definitely now there's two people that i saw in the credits of the video i want to talk about the first one he played the husband his name is chris chrisman mm -hmm. i want to talk about him because you and he wrote a song that ended up being on young and the restless tell me about that yeah um so chris a lot of what he does is make music for tv and film and i got really lucky to be connected with him through um, lake house music academy in asbury park and we started just working really well together um he was teaching me how to use um, logic this uh, music software i don't know if you're familiar with logic but name of the game I hear is Pro Tools or Logic a lot of times and then some people use Ableton. Um, so I started, you know, working on music with Logic with Logic and with Chris and um, I just brought him a few songs and I was like, hey, you know, this is these are some old archive songs that I've had since I was like 14 and what can we do with them? And so he was, um, you know, really, really great and helped me put them together and helped me uh, kind of co-write and and build out the songs and then we submitted them and and got really lucky on two different occasions to get them in uh in two different um episodes oh, did maybe i misunderstood you how old were you when you when you were talking to him did you say 14. oh no so <laughs> i i was like 14 when i wrote some of the songs oh, okay. and i've just held on to them for a long time um but i met him a little over a year ago that's still impressive that you wrote these songs at age 14. 
<laughs> yeah, I've had, you know, I never really did much with some of the stuff, you know, I think as a songwriter, right, you just have kind of yeah. like notebooks of stuff and, yeah. and then it's in the brain and in your memory. And um, yeah, just that just happened to be one. I was like, hey, this is kind of like a sweet, simple song. Like, what do you think? You know, do you think it could maybe end up on on a TV show somewhere? And 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 luckily it did. Wow, that, yeah, it's a very good thing on your resume. The other person I saw in the video plays a street performer, Danny Roselle. Who's that? Yes, yeah. So Danny is the co-writer on both Runaway Ship and um, Already Got It, and my producer as well. Um, and I met him, same thing, through the Music Academy in Asbury Park as well. And we've just continued to work together and are just going to keep putting out stuff. I've got my next single on the way, too. I don't have a release date for it yet. Um, up here, I do, but yeah. <laughs> uh, not to the public yet. But um, but yeah, we're, we're just we just keep, you know, putting out uh, putting out content and hoping people like it. Well, you're going to have to come back when that's released to uh, promote that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. So you have those two songs. I want to go back because, um, as I mentioned, in 2000, you quit music for a while to start a business with your fiance. And it was called Lava Rubber. Yeah. So let's talk about that first, because you were, well, you know what, let's go back to uh, Julia Porman earlier. Then we'll work up to that, to the Lava okay. Rubber. Because that uh, good. you mentioned you wrote these songs that are on Young and Restless at age 14. So how old were you when you started saying to yourself, I want to, I want to be in music or I want to write music or just became, became interested in it. Yeah. Um, so I probably around the age of like 11, I really wanted to take it seriously. And I had a small group of friends, um, one named Gabriella and the other one named Carly and then myself. And we formed this girl group called JCG for Julia, Carly, Gabriella. And, uh, we recorded a demo and, you know, we were going to do big things, but we were 12 and, you know, nothing ever really happened from that. Uh, but then Gabriella and I decided to continue to do music together for the next couple of years and um, did that until about probably 2011. Uh, she and I um, also put out another EP together and our stuff, I think it's actually still on Spotify. If you look up Jules and Gabriella, Okay. I think you'll find our, our old EP and that's from like 2010, somewhere around there. Um, and then, you know, she kind of did her own thing. She went away and did music theater um, and uh, Broadway and, and lived in Manhattan for wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. She's actually now she's living out in L.A. and she's she made it big on TikTok and she's got like a whole residency with BuzzFeed. She's doing really well. Um, and she deserves it too. She's an awesome person. You get to hang and, out with cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I definitely did. Um, and then I just, I kind of decided to, to take, you know, do a, make a solo career for myself at that point. Um, so I kept writing and really up until the time, probably about 2014, 20, no, probably 2013. I just, um, I was going to school at the time and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And then I ended up meeting my fiance sort of in that same time period. And we, you know, he's like, I have this up and coming business and, you know, um, we recycle wetsuits and we turned them into all these cool mats. And do you want to help me sell it? Do you want to help me promote it? And I was like, yeah, I'm game. And I can't believe that was nine years ago, but that was nine years ago. <laughs> 
And fast forward, you know, it just as business does, it, it it took off and we've been doing really well and went to a lot of trade shows, just got back from one last week. And, um, and yeah, and all through the middle of that, I was continuing to do music, you know, still, still writing and I just wasn't performing. I wasn't, um, I wasn't putting it in the forefront of importance, I guess, um, mm -hmm. And then in about 20, at about 2021, I started, that's when I went to the music academy and I really picked things back up and I was like, okay, I really need to like dive back into this because I feel like people are born with um, natural talents. And I, I think that that is for a reason. And I think if you ignore that for too long, you're going to become a really, um, I don't know, just not a full version of yourself. And I didn't want to see that happen for me. So I really made a choice there. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm, we're all happy that you did make that choice. <laughs> oh, make more thank music you. For us. <laughs> thank you. Right. You know what? I always mention this because I said there's a difference between being a great performer, a great musician, and also marketing. And mm. you have the best of both. I'm going to explain what I'm talking about because I'm friends with you on <laughs> Facebook now. And I was going through and I love what you did because you have a great way of combining lava rubber with the music. And one of the things you did recently is I said, um, you had a giveaway. If you add runaway ships to your playlist, send a screenshot. You are then eligible to win a pair of lava rubber slippers and a runaway ship t-shirt. That is genius marketing right there. <laughs> oh, thanks. I hope I can do more stuff like that too and just keep combining the two, you know? Yeah, definitely. So uh, we talked about that in, in the intro, I was saying that you wrote a lot of poems, you stick them in a drawer. So did you, are you still like that where you write the lyrics first and then come up with the music or are you just, do you just write each song differently where you're inspired either, all right, well, I have a, I have a melody. Let me write some lyrics to this or vice versa. Um, it typically comes with, so, so no, I don't write the lyrics typically first. Sometimes I'll have like a, a really cool phrase in my head that I want to incorporate into a song at some point. And so, yeah. or a word, um, but, but I typically sit down with my guitar and I'll start like with a melody and then we'll come, you know, then we'll come the words. Um, so it usually starts with melody first, melody first, words um, and chords kind of accompany that you know, cause I write on guitar. I feel like it all just kind of like gets cooked in a one crock pot at the same time, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. Set it's it and forget nice it. Stew. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not sure if you know who he is. Uh, did you ever hear the name Michael Gabriel? Uh, I feel like it does sound familiar. Well, he is Sheila E's guitarist, but he's also, um, he's Prince's godson, but I, he works with Sean as well. Sean introduced me to him. And the reason I bring him up was because he started off just like you did, but then he taught himself to play every instrument and then he played every instrument on his own album. So wow. currently, yeah, he plays drums, uh, guitar, sings, and there's a lot of other things that he has on his album. It's really good. You got to check him out. Michael Gates, M-Y with Michael. Okay. But the reason I bring that up was you mentioned that you, you play guitar. Are there any other instruments that you are self-taught in or you learned at the Academy of Music? Um. No, but I, but I do want to go back and maybe learn how to play the keys, like the keyboard or, you know, the piano. Um, I think that just helps with like all general music theory and just knowledge of music itself. Kind of the piano is a nice roadmap. So I think I would really like to learn that. And then maybe the banjo at some point. Yes. I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, you, you have to have a banjo on your next song. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. 
<laughs> All right. So when you were young, who were some of your major influences? Yeah, um, I think a lot. I, it's honestly one big melting pot. I would say like subconsciously, probably like Indigo Girls, Sarah McLaughlin, um, Alanis Morissette, Cheryl Crow. That's because my mom listened to a lot of them, right? Growing up. Um, the first person I feel like I, I really idolized when I was a kid, probably like 13, 14, 15 was Taylor Swift. And that's because she was, she's only a couple of years older than me. So I kind of felt like she was like a big sister writing songs. And I was like, how does she understand me so deeply? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she got me at a point where I really needed her. So she was definitely one of my biggest influences growing up. Um, I think my my horizons have have expanded a lot as far as influence goes. I, I draw influence from just so many artists, even like indie artists that, um, you know, they're not maybe mainstream, but I know of them at, through Spotify. Typically, usually like I'll find people on Spotify playlists and I'm like, oh, I love this girl's music. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been like one big one big like compilation of um, artists kind of all over the map. Yeah. So when you were in JCG, were you playing cover songs of Alanis Morissette or were you, did you start right <laughs> off writing your own songs? We made, we were an original group. We wrote, wow. <laughs> yeah. well, I do have to say though on the EP, because it was just like supposed to show off our vocals. I sang Landslide by the Dixie Chicks, who right. I, I thought was by the Dixie Chicks at the time. Uh, Cause that was the version I knew. Um, so yeah, but we, but we did have an original song or, or two written and we did a whole photo shoot with like, we went to the dollar store and like got a bunch of candy and we did like a candy land photo shoot. And I would love to find those pictures, but I have no idea where they are. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. It brings my, I have two brothers and when we were little, we had a cellar downstairs and we formed the band. The first one was, AMFM on the road to rock was very much. We used to have concerts downstairs for the kids. They would make them pay a quarter and they'd have to come play a season either in the cellar or the backyard. Then we changed our name to Dark Forces. We, we evolved and. Oh my God. I love it. You know what? You're reminding me now that I totally forgot to mention that when I was even younger, like fast rewind another eight years before that. We were in, I had this little group, it was me, my aunt and my sister, and we were called the makeup chicks and we would charge a quarter for everybody to come see the shows in the living room. And then pets were like 10 cents. So if I the love... cat like walked in, we'd be like, oh, she's got to get a ticket too. <laughs> I know there was only one time when I guess a couple of the people, there's a couple of critics in the audience for us where they, they went to my mother and said, I want my quarter back. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Critics, you know? <laughs> Yeah, right? We're trying to get our chops down. Give us a break. Exactly. No, it's funny because like, well, I, I was lucky too that my parents taught my brothers and I to be very, very open-minded. So my father liked the classic rock and the, you know, the, the Doors, Led Zeppelin. So my mother liked the ABBA and all the things on that side. And yeah. so I grew up watching, listening to all types of music and I love musicals. I love classical music, Beethoven, Mozart, Vivaldi. So I grew up, luckily, and I'm still like that. I love all types of music. So later on when I was in bands, I used to, I was in a couple metal bands in my twenties. And so I said, come on, we got to do Terry Jack seasons in the sun. They're like, what are you kidding? Like I said, there's yeah. more to life than Metallica. There's so many great songs out there and they couldn't understand. Remember those, those, uh, 
those infomercials were like the best of the 70s buy 10 cds for a penny you know the columbia House. right right so right <laughs> i'd be at practice and they'd say oh come on wait get that number and they're like yeah okay no no rich is actually serious he likes this stuff so it's like it's <laughs> funny like the, some of the people i hung out with were so into just one type of i said you're missing out on so much because right. and that, whenever somebody tells me like oh classical music's boring i said all right watch a movie and tell me how boring classical music is without you know Right. Yes. It's so true. It's in so much more than you think. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, we'll put on classical music when we're doing like artwork at the shop. You know, if we're like answering emails, we'll put on classical music because it there's just a vibe to it. It just like it soothes the soul and it helps you concentrate. It really does. It serves, oh, yeah. a, it serves an absolute purpose. And I think, um, you know, probably when I was a kid, I would say I hated classical music, probably just because it wasn't like Britney Spears pop. <laughs> and that's what like I, you know, I found catchy. Yeah. But, you know, as you grow older, you definitely gain an appreciation. And then also like hear similarities to like maybe where certain styles of music came from, which ultimately is a lot of rock and classical. Oh, definitely. You know, and I love how they're combining it now because so far I've seen the Beatles do i mean not the real beatles obviously it was a beatles tribute band playing with a symphony i saw sticks play with a symphony and i have a dvd of ingve malmstein who's a rock guitar with a i love when they combine the best of both yeah and it's, it's funny like my brothers and i when we were little so i'm 54 years old so growing up we had you know with star wars when i was nine years old close encounters so I, my brothers and i would buy all the john williams soundtracks and we'd listen it's like all right you got close encounters i'll get star wars you get jaws <laughs> i'll get rocky so That's yeah, I, great. So luckily I said, I'm, I'm glad that I grew up like that, where I was open-minded enough to say, no, there's, cause you're, you're missing out on so much if you don't realize, cause I, just like you, I, like I have different types from like, I get, it's weird. Cause I can go from Johnny Cash to Pantera in like a matter of five <laughs> minutes. It just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally get that. That's awesome. Now I have a question for you because I always say this too. I said, there's a huge difference between great musician and performer mm. and an example for me i think one of my best performers and i just saw him recently at fenway park has to be paul mccartney guy's 80 years old he was still dancing he played over three hours played 35 songs oh wow that's crazy and i was trying to think of some when i was talking to some other people they i like asking musicians this question and other people brought up prince and another one brought up so do you have a favorite musician and a favorite performer. Another example that I bring up and people laugh when I say this, but Barry Manilow is an excellent performer. I saw him live in concert several times and probably not anymore, but he used to put on a great show. He was just a lot of fun because he used to write commercials. He started off doing jingles of the McDonald's, have yourself a break today. And so he would do a whole medley of all the commercials with a kazoo. It's just, for me, if I, I want to hear a musician be great on stage, but I also want to have fun. And I think that yeah. when you bring the best of both. So do you have a, a best musician slash performer or one that does both? Mm, I mean, I think when I, so obviously he's not here anymore, obviously, but uh, so it could be dead or alive, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so, I mean, Michael Jackson yes. is one of the most amazing like musicians and performers. I mean, like he's just fantastic. Um, I don't know if you can really beat that. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can beat that. And then as far as like a musician goes, hmm, I don't no. know, because it's almost like, you know, 
I guess I haven't really studied like all this, like, for example, I mentioned Keith Urban as being a guitar player. Like, I think he's just a fantastic guitar player. Um, But like, it's kind of funny how musicians are morphing now too into like being able to produce really well on their own um, equipment and their own like software at home. So for example, I I mentioned this band in like all of my interviews because I just love them, but Muna, there's this band Muna that, I mean, they're great musicians, don't get me wrong, they really are, but their ability to build their own music like by themselves and produce all of it by themselves and like go in and it might not be an actual instrument that they're that they're playing, even though they can do that too. Um, just the way that they can create and craft a song using software, I think is just really admirable. Oh, definitely. And this is a, it's a great segue to uh, what I want to ask you next, because what is your opinion on streaming? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I think first. I want to get your opinion, because I think streaming is good and bad. It's horrible for musicians like you when you're trying to yeah. make a living from it and trying to make money. But it's also yeah. great for people that say, oh, Julia, let me just check this out. It's free. And then when I, because here's what I do. I'll listen to you and then I'll say, you know what? Oh, I love her. Next time she's on concert, I'm going to see her. I'm going to buy some of her merchandise. So maybe if I had the, if originally, if I saw it somewhere, the name wouldn't have the name recognition and I would just walk by it. But then I listen to him like, wow, she is great. So what is your opinion on that? I think my opinion is is very much like everything you just said. I think it is kind of a it's a bit of a bummer. And I, I don't know if like Spotify can do anything about this, about like how they pay their artists out. Like, can they just charge a little bit more per month? Because for me personally, I don't even know how much it is per month. Um, but whatever their subscription fee is a month, right? Just raise it by a couple bucks. And then can you pay your artists just a little bit more? You know what I mean? To make everything a little bit more feasible because it is, it's so, it's so, so small um, that you need to have millions and millions of streams consistently in order to really make any money from it. Um, You know, like living wage. (laughs) Um, So, but, but on the flip side, it, the exposure that it can bring you is tremendous because if you think back to like, mm, I don't know, even into the nineties, I guess, early, early two thousands even. Um, and then obviously before your shot to make it was through the radio. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get on the radio, which there was only so much, so much bandwidth, only so many stations and only so much time in a day and, you know, record labels are going to get first shot. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's allowing these independent artists who I would never know who they were in a million years, like Arlo Parks and Patrick Droney and just people that I listen to that they're not they're not being played on the radio at all. Um, but they have a steady fan base and they're you know, they're probably selling out, you know, small theaters and, and they're doing their thing. So I think it's given them a platform. So it's yeah, it's kind of uh, it's. It's good and bad, I guess, like all things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when Napster first started, people were freaking oh, yeah. out and Metallica was trying to, you know, get people that arrested. And it was just, I mean, I, I understand completely what they're saying because you know, they that's their li- livelihood and you're taking money from them. But I also see the flip side, like you said, because I'm just, it's, I mean, it's, I'm so impressed with people like you that just take music go out on your own do your own thing and just you know do it your way because 
Because um, did you ever hear of a DJ it's from the 50s? So it was definitely, it was even before my time, um, Alan Freed was his name. There's a, the reason I bring him up was because there's so many artists like Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, all these different people that he made popular. And what he used to do was called the Paola scam. He would say, give me a couple bucks, I'll play your, play your record on the radio. And a lot of these people would never become famous, but because they did that, I mean, he got arrested and then the IRS <laughs> went after him. He died penniless and he died from... Uh, alcoholism so his life didn't end up well but he did a lot of good for music because yeah. there's so many so many bands of it's because you mentioned uh if you didn't make it on the radio then you you didn't make it so yeah. it's, back then it was tougher but there was the people found ways to get on there so now i love that because like sometimes i'll be listening to a song of a band i like and then without even realizing that will end it'll go to another side who is this and it's like it goes <laughs> to you know you might like this yeah and i found a lot of different bands from that reason Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. The algorithm, when it gets it right, it gets it right. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, I agree. I found so many people through the, oh, this artist sounds like, and then I'll click on the other artists and listen to them for 20 minutes. Yeah. Now, what's your opinion on this? Because I've spoken with several musicians who said they don't like to release full length albums anymore because it's more of an ADD nation. They'd rather yeah. release one single, wait a couple months, release another single, wait a couple months and wait, release another single. Are you similar mm -hmm. in that, with that style? That's sort of what I'm hearing is, is kind of the key and the ticket. And, and, you know, I guess before I started releasing music, I wouldn't have really thought about that as a strategy. Um, but now I'm, I'm kind of watching other artists and unless, unless it's like a, a big artist that, can really draw or already has this huge, you know, massive fan base. I'm not hearing a lot of people putting out albums. It, it really yeah. is a lot of single after single after single. And maybe, maybe they'll throw like a, like a five song EP out there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause you could take a song, for example, um, song flowers by Miley Cyrus. I don't know if you've heard it. It's been, been all over for uh, the last month. I actually, actually like I think she, me too. I love Miley. Yeah. Um, even that song, and it's a great song. I love the song. It's fun. It's catchy, but I'm already kind of like, Oh, this song again. And it's because <laughs> it's just, you hear it over and over and over and over again. Now you don't have to wait for it to come on the radio, you know, exactly. now because you used to have to wait for it. It would last six months, maybe, maybe even a year and still be like, you know, Oh, I want to hear it. I'm dying to hear it. But now because everything is at the touch of our fingertips, it just kind of feels like, you know, our attention span and our appreciation for things are, you know, the time has, has completely been cut in like, an eighth, you know, um, I still like the song. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm saying? It's, I it's, do know. Yeah. Well, I used to be in radio years in the nineties. I worked at a couple major FM stations in Connecticut and I saw how it was. So they'd have first heavy rotation. Sometimes it would be two, sometimes three times in one hour they play. So then it would go down yeah. to light rotation would be one time an hour. Then finally it would be once every maybe on the weekend. So yeah, I, I would do the same thing. So it's like, I'm so sick of this song. I used to love this song. <laughs> totally. Wait, no, I, I actually remember so that happening too. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was gonna say, I just, well, you mentioned Miley and it was so funny because one time this was years ago when she first came out and I was on, 
I said, who is this? This is great. And I said, oh, that's Miley Cyrus. And I started laughing. I said, I never thought I'd be saying I like Miley Cyrus, but I have so yeah. much respect for her. And I love her influences because she likes a lot of the same stuff that I do. Like you see her rocking out with Joan Jett, Fleetwood Mac, and all these different yes. people that I listen to. Yes. She has an old soul. She really does. And I, yeah. I, th I think for a while there, we were all kind of like, oh, what's going on with Miley? Um, but I, I think she just like took this road to find herself. And I think she's just really fully embodied that now. And she doesn't ever want to put herself in a box. And I find that really uh, admirable. Yeah. yeah. Well, just like, I'm, what is, is she your godmother? Dolly Parton is her godmother, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, it's I love because I was watching part of the uh, New Year's Eve special with her and I said they I loved when they were singing together and it was funny as I was at the gym and I was talking to my trainers. Oh, I love this Dolly Parton song. You're like, no, that's actually Miley Cyrus. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. She can sing cool. rock. She can sing country. She can. Yeah. yeah, she can. Her range is great. And uh, yeah, stylistically, uh, I think she had that one whole album, Plastic Hearts, was very, very rock and roll. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she's done like, you know, Party in the USA and yeah. she's she's done it all. She had that one album that I think she was like high the whole time she was she was recording it. Uh the Miley Cyrus and her Dead Pets. Do you remember that album? No, I do remember, yeah. Oh my god, that is so trippy. When you listen to it, you're like, what is she even saying? But I don't think uh, she knew. I don't think she knew either. I think she was like, Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. We'll throw it on there. But um, but yeah, it's been cool to watch her evolve for sure. Cause she's actually she's like two years older than me. So okay. we've kind of like grown up together in, you know, in a way. All right. So do you see your wild side coming out pretty soon then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my wild side was in high school. I became a grandmother at age 19. I was like, I'm I'm good. I like going to bed early and drinking my green juice. I'm like, <laughs> I'm very boring and healthy. <laughs> Sounds like a good time to me. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound bad at all. <laughs> I got to let loose a little bit. Maybe maybe playing some shows and stuff will just like, you know, expand my horizons a little bit. But I don't know if I'm ever going to go full Miley. <laughs> Do you, if you don't go full Miley, would you ever go maybe more of the rock route? Just because I know the songs that I've heard that you sing. And then right now they're very similar to the style that you've talked about, like Sarah McLaughlin. Do you have a, a rock side that wants to come out of you? I think um, I think that everyone's going to be a little bit surprised because I have a couple songs coming down the pipeline that are definitely more on the rock side, especially one. And it's not going to be my next single, but I think it's going to be the one after my next single. And it's, it's pretty rock and roll. Um, but uh so so yeah. And also Danny Rozelle, he's a, he's a rock star, you know, like he's into rock. Uh, so his rock influence, we were kind of laughing when we were recording the, uh, runaway ship and he's like, this is pretty rocking. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, my producer is a rock star. Like he, he is a rock producer. He's like, yeah, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> you know what? It's another great segue. You're very good at these interviews. <laughs> so I want to talk about this because I think that, um, the producer, a lot of people don't realize people that are not in music, I should say, don't realize how important a producer is to you. Like Daniel Rizal is very important to you. And two examples that I always bring up, two of my favorite producers that I know, um, there's probably so many other great ones I don't know about, but um, are obviously Sir George Martin from the Beatles. He, I didn't, when I saw a documentary and I was like, wow, I did not realize all the things that he said, try this, do that. You did that last album, do that. And also the other one is Rick Rubin. That guy has worked mm -hmm. with 
everybody from the Beastie Boys, Slayer, um, Neil Diamond, Johnny Cash, Black Sabbath. Wow. Eminem. I mean, so, I mean, and it's funny Eminem because too. I don't know if you know the stories about that, but Johnny Cash was like at the end of his career and he said, I don't really, and Rick Rubin said, well, I want to record with you. And he had him record uh, Nine Inch Nails Hurt. And that became an instant Oh, snap. I have heard that. I have heard that before, but I didn't know the story behind it. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I actually prefer that over Trent Reznor's version. I love Johnny Cash's version. Because he's Yeah, one Johnny of the... Cash was dope. I like I went back to listen to some of his stuff. We were on a road trip, I don't know when it was, maybe in the fall. And uh just going back, it actually threw me back to when I was like watching Walk the Line years ago. Yes. Yeah, such a great movie. I had to watch that again too. He's a, he's another he's a great actor. Joaquin Phoenix did such a phenomenal job playing Johnny Cash in in the movie Walk the Line. Yeah, he's one of the only people. So I'm not really a die. I'm not. I let me put it this way. I'm not really a big country fan. I do like more of the older country, but Johnny Cash is like one of the only people yeah. that he could sing anything. I have versions of him doing "Cats in the Cradle" by Harry Chapin. I have "Hurt" by mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails, but then he does his own songs, and that voice just could sing anything. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool to to hear the similarities between rock and country, too, and not so much like the modern pop country. Um, yeah, but but yeah, kind of you go back, you go back old school and uh, it's cool how the influence just kind of can blend together. Yeah. When you, when you have uh, Walk the Line and Achy Breaky Heart, I know which one I'm going to pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell my leash. Secret same with me. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny is um, I mentioned Dolly Parton earlier, and I, I'm a huge fan of her. And I love her stuff. I think she's just a great person, too. But did you – I'm not sure if you heard or saw that she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently. I didn't. No, I didn't. All right. There's a reason I'm bringing this up, so I want your opinion on this. Because when she was originally asked, you're like, we're going to induct you. She says, I'm not a rock star. I'm a country star, pop star. I don't belong in the Country Music Hall of Fame. And they said, well, we don't really care. We're doing it. So she, they inducted her. And it was actually, uh, oh, Pink is the one that inducted her. And it was oh. great. They all came out and they sang. So it was, but the reason I bring it up was she goes, I don't know. People probably heard about this. And I said, I got to earn my, my place here at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So you know what? I wrote a rock song. And she had Rob Halford come out from Judas Priest, a couple other people. And she came out in the leather. And she did a rock song. Oh, that's amazing. But I was thinking about this. I don't think they should call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore because on that one thing alone, they had Duran Duran, Dolly Parton, some other uh, um, rappers. I said, they're great musicians, but they're not rock. I think they just call it the Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So do you have, I know Danny is a great producer and I mentioned um, some of the other, do you have a, any producer besides Danny um, that you would love to collaborate with in the future? Hmm. I'll have to think about that one. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that on the next interview. I'll be prepared with that answer. All How's right. That? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> See, this, these are all, I'm just leaving all these, all my viewers cliffhangers for you to come back and have you come back. <laughs> you know what so though? I will say, I will say I would love to make a song with Muna and, and I was mentioning them earlier as far as being musicians, but they are great producers. So that would be dope. All right. Well, hopefully we can make that happen in the future. <laughs> Yes, I keep putting it out there. So <laughs> one of these days, hopefully they run across one of these interviews. <laughs> do, you, do you have a dream collaboration besides Luna? Do you have a dream collaboration that you would love to 
sing, do um do a duet with, sing a song with, collaborate, write with. Mm. Oh my goodness, so many people come to mind. I know. Um, <laughs> pick one. Diaphragm again? Ha! We caught one. They're supposed to be weird. Oh, yeah, no. If you say so. I've always wanted to be in a movie. Yeah. 
any producer besides Danny um, that you would love to collaborate with in the future? Hmm. I'll have to think about that one. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that on the next interview. I'll be prepared with that answer. All How's right. That? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> See, this, these are all I'm just leaving all these all my viewers cliffhangers for you to come back and have you come back. <laughs> you know what so though? I will say I will say I would love to make a song with Muna and and I was mentioning them earlier as far as being musicians, but they are great producers. So that would be dope. All right. Well, hopefully we can make that happen in the future. Yes, I keep putting it out there. So <laughs> one of these days, hopefully they run across one of these interviews. <laughs> do, you, do you have a dream collaboration besides Luna? Do you have a dream collaboration that you would love to, to sing, do, um, do a duet with, sing a song with, collaborate, write with? Mm. Oh, my goodness. So many people come to mind. I know. Come on, pick one. You know that moment when you're like, yes. you have so many, and then you ask one, and you're like, I don't have any. <laughs> like, no, I do. I have so many. Um, I think Miley would be really, really cool. Obviously, yeah. that's like a shoot for the absolute stars, but I mean, hey, why not? Um, you know, there's so many, like Casey Musgraves, I think she's just awesome. I think I would love to write a song with her. Um, Trevor Hall is also another great musician. Mm -hmm. I love, I really, he has this one album called The Fruitful Darkness. And have you ever heard of Trevor Hall? No, that name I haven't heard of. I'm going to look okay. up after I'm, 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 right, I'm not writing them down. I'm thinking, I'm like, as soon as I this, end this interview, I'm going to be looking up a lot of these names. Yeah, look up Trevor Hall. He is really, really cool because he's he's big, but he's not huge. Like, he's not, like, you know, being played all over the radio and Top 100 and whatnot. But, he play, you know, he's playing Red Rocks and stuff. Like, he's, you know, he's... Yeah. definitely he's definitely made it but his music is really hard to fit into a genre like i cannot fit him into a genre i don't know what he is like i don't know what kind of music definitely i mean indie uh singer songwriter folk reggae rock it's like he's like a mix of all of it like you yeah. know but his messages are really really cool and this album called the fruitful darkness i kid you not i had to look up the lyrics i had been listening to it for like a year in passing just like it was playing you know on road trips and in the background and then one day i was like you know what i'm gonna look up the lyrics to this because this stuff sounds really deep and i just every single song got into the lyrics and i was like wow like everything he's saying was just it just struck every chord and um, I think I really draw a lot of inspiration from his stuff as well. So the Fruitful Darkness album, I, I really recommend, and I would love to do a collaboration with Trevor Hall. All right. Well, if anybody's watching, let's get this going. Let's set, set this up. I want to hear it. We are manifesting. <laughs> yes, we are. I love it. I want your opinion on this because I well, I inadvertently uh, made a musician I interviewed angry. I interviewed Brett Michaels, guitar player, and I was talking about Vince Neil using a teleprompter on stage. I didn't realize that he was friends with Vince Neil, so he didn't really get mad, but he was a little agitated. Oh. Um, so, so what's your opinion on a musician who's paid to do that one job, bringing a teleprompter on stage? Do you think that they should learn the lyrics if that's, or do you think that, all right, well, there's nothing wrong with it. To be honest, I didn't know that was ever an option. <laughs> I know. When you said that, I'm like, wow, that's crazy because 
before every gig I've ever had, I'm like, you got to memorize these lyrics. You know, <laughs> like you can't, you can't mess up the, you know, your own words. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I really feel like, uh, it's like for me to have like that free safety, I feel like almost would probably mess me up because I'd be like looking at it too much. It's like, no, you don't want to be reading. No. I think, is there anything wrong with it? I guess to each their own, yeah. but I don't think that would ever be for me. I think you got to be in the moment. You got to be in the vibe. And, you know, um, there's so many songs that I don't even know. I know the words of, and I can just sing the whole song. I'm like, Oh shit. And it's because I've just, you know, I've it's muscle memory. It's like, it's, it's ingrained in there. So the most, the more you do it, the less you'll need anything like that. Well, no, it's the same thing when I was in bands, when I used to have an hour lunch, I would spend 45 minutes of my lunch walking the streets when the weather was nice, just going over the lyrics, just reading them over and over and over and so until I memorize them. Because yeah, I, And I agree with you because I'm, when I, I was the lead singer of the band, so I was all over the stage and I was like, I was more of a performer. So I wouldn't want to just be looking at it and saying, what? you know, it just, it, it would, it would do exactly what you just said. It would deter me from like, what, what was that? And look back at it. It would just mess me up even more than just right. like, because most people, if you mess up a lyric, you're going to know what you made, made a mistake, but you go, you're going to go right through it professionally. And nobody's even going to notice that you made a mistake. You're going to yes. notice it like, Oh boy, I can't believe that. And people are like, Oh, I didn't realize you made a mistake. That sounded great. Right. Right. I have to remind myself that all the time. Like if you hit a wrong chord, yeah. only the musicians are going to know. And if you sing a wrong word, nobody's going to know. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, it was funny when I, when I first started off in radio, if I'd mess up on a word, I'd go, Oh, and my father said, like, turn the mic off before you but it's just like, I was, <laughs> then I realized, I said, why am I taking it so seriously? Just have fun with it and just do yeah. it. It's the same thing with music. Just nobody's even really, I mean, they're paying attention, but they're not saying, oh my God, listen, he, he stumbled in that word. Oh, he missed that lyric. So just- Well, half the time too, it's like people are just enjoying themselves. They're yeah. they're talking amongst themselves. They're having a drink. They're eating dinner. They're whatever. They're doing, they're doing other stuff. They're not scrutinizing your performance. I have to think about that too, even with like, when you, you talk about performers, right. And being a, yeah. being a performer, sometimes it's kind of like, well, like, what am I doing with my hands? Or like, what am I doing with my, like my yeah. arms and everything? It's just like, nobody, people want to see you doing you and having fun and being in your element. And if you don't move and you stand still, you look weird. And if you're yeah. over, if you're overthinking it, you look weird. So just go and enjoy yourself, be in yeah. the moment, be free. And people will gravitate towards that. Just be like authentic. Yeah. Well, there's one band that epitomizes that and it's called, I don't know if you've ever heard the band Talking Dreads. They're, uh, did you ever hear the Tom Tom Club? No. All right, well, did you, I'm, I'm sure you know who the Talking Heads are. David Byrne. With Talking our, Heads, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so, so what happened was David Byrne, I guess, was didn't really want to do the band anymore. So two of the founding members formed the Tom Tom Club. And so the guy that I interviewed, he's from Jamaica. He, he's full of reggae but he was the singer of the Tom Tom Glove for a while. And then after they broke up, he asked them, he goes, do you mind if I play Talking Heads music, but do it in a reggae style? So he plays reggae music doing Talking Heads, but, but the reason I bring him up was he's just like that. He, I, first time I ever saw him play, there was no, everybody's way on the other side, sitting down. He goes, come on, get up here, have fun. He's just being himself, dancing <laughs> around. By the end of the show, 
everybody was up and dancing just because he had that personality and he wasn't trying anything. He was just being himself. He was on stage having fun, bantering, having a great banter with the audience. And yeah, yeah. Just, he made it fun and he wasn't trying. That's what was so great about it. He was just doing yes. what he does naturally. Yeah. Yeah. People relate to authenticity. Yeah. hundred percent. So for you, you mentioned New Jersey. Do you play a lot in that area? Or do you come around to the Northeast and Connecticut and Massachusetts surrounding areas? Yeah, I would love to. For now, I'm just kind of sticking locally, but that's just because that's what I know. And, and I, you know, I'm able to get in certain spots around here, but I would love to, I would love to expand my horizons. I'm originally from um, the uh, Finger Lakes region of New York. Okay. So I would love to do some stuff around there and then maybe, you know, do a little bit in Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut, all of that. Um, it all interests me. So I want to play all over the country. So right. well, I would, <laughs> my I sights are set. <laughs> I definitely cannot wait to see. I mean, the best thing about living for me in Connecticut is that you have New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, so close, I mean, yeah, New York, everything it was within a two hour drive. So nothing's really that far. So I'm definitely gonna be looking for. Are you touring now at, at all? I'm not currently, but I'm I'm looking sort of toward the mid to late spring and summer. And do yeah. you play more clubs? Do you play? Seriously, you know what's um, become a big thing with uh, solo artists is uh, acoustic is um, breweries. I see a lot of musicians play those, like in Connecticut anyway. I'm not sure what it's like in your area, but almost yeah. there's so many breweries that popped up, and there's so many great music that i just go there like hang out and see and play so i'm not sure if you would do things like that or it would... totally yeah, yeah there's a lot of breweries around here i've also been playing like boutiques and farmers markets and um you know there's a there's a, a spot down by the by the ocean near me it's called langosta lounge and they have a stage and they do a lot of live music and i played there last summer and i had a really great time they're just, they're getting bought out by a different owner. So I'm not so sure if they're going to continue doing, I don't know how they couldn't though, because I mean, it's yeah. such a classic place and there's so many people that just rely on them having live music. Yeah. So yeah, places like that, like, you know, there's, there's just so much here in the spring and in the summer, the winter is kind of quiet and you know, where I, where I live now. Um, but when spring and summer comes around, it's like, there is music at every bar, every brewery, every, you know, there's outdoor stages by the boardwalk. It's just, you can't, you can't stop. I'm actually thinking of doing this thing and I haven't mentioned it yet to anybody, but I'll mention it to you here. I want to get in the tail bed of Michael's truck and I want to bring my PA system and I want to do like tailgate concerts. And I, I just want to yeah, I just want to like pull up to the boardwalk and just be, it's kind of like a stage, right? Because you're like elevated, you know, yeah. and I'll have my little QR code and I'll have everything I need and uh, call it hashtag tailgate tunes and, you know, do the whole, do the whole thing from the truck bed until the police kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, find somewhere else. <laughs> but I'm going to try that. All right. Well, please, I'm going to be looking to make sure that I, I don't miss this because I'll be the first car right behind you. Go, Julia. <laughs> You'll see it. Yeah, I'll be posting about it for sure. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we had a Clause Corner exclusive with Julia Portman. Yes. Love it. Can't wait. So when you right now, um, is it just you or do you have a band that you, t you play with? 
So it kind of both. Um, I have a band that I've been working on putting together and we just kind of finalized all of the members, Danny being, uh, Danny Rizal being a member. Um, and then Chris, the drummer that played on Already Got It, he's going to be in the band as well. And then um, two other members um, that I, I haven't, I can't disclose quite yet. But um, but yeah, so we're we're working on putting that together and getting some full band gigs so uh so we can start to maybe put together a little tour for for all of us but I'm finding it a little easier to get in just me and my guitar and because there's, yeah. there's just so many more places that offer that but I'm really excited to do full band stuff so anytime there's an opportunity to do that I'm pretty much going to be in <laughs> all right very yeah. cool I'm um i i always ask musicians this question too because i'm curious i do get different answers what's your opinion on these reality shows like the voice and american idol are you for them against them no opinion i um i used to watch them religiously especially like my dad and i loved to watch american idol it was like a big thing for us and um i auditioned for the voice twice uh, never made it past the first round on either audition. And it's not only like the fact that I'm like, oh, oh I should have gotten through and therefore it's a hoax. It's not even that. It's like there were so many people that I heard that had so much talent that were just amazing vocalists yeah. that just never got a second look. And I think, you know, with the voice, they already have their own talent scouts. At least they used to. I don't know. I haven't paid any attention in the last like five, six years, but they used to have their own talent scouts that would go out and they would find people that already had like a decent following and had, you know, great voice and the look that they're going for and, and all of that. And they would give them a free pass to, to basically go right in front of the judges, like the, the real, the, the celebrity judges, whoever they were that year. Yeah. So it was almost like, you know, if you line up, you take your time, you take eight hours out of your day and you line up and you do the whole, like, you know, you go through the whole rigmarole of waiting in different lines and everything and singing all day long and whatnot. Um, you're, you have a very, very slim chance of, of making it. Um, it's almost like they're, they're, go they're like, going through the motions or just kind of like checking boxes to like make it look like you have a shot. Yeah. And it's not like that you don't. I just think that you have to not only have talent, but you have to be, I feel like there's like a certain, it's like, all right, this year we got to have, you know, this, this, mm -hmm. this, or this. And if these people don't meet this, this, or this, don't let them through. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's a little bit not for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, no, it's not for me too. I'm going to tell you some stories because yeah. I know people that were the audition for the show too. And one guitarist I, I'm friends with now, but I interviewed him and I saw the clip and I said, what happened there? He said what they did was he thought Nikki Six was going to be a judge on American Idol. So he learned Home Sweet Home and he was going to play that <laughs> song for him on the piano because he was a guitarist and pianist. And they said, no, you can't do that, this and that. So he ended up doing this other song at the last minute. It would end up being horrible. And then I see these conversations with Lionel Richie and Katy Perry, and he goes, that wasn't what they said to them. What I, that wasn't their real response. They edited that response to make to my question. So it was complete. And then I had another friend who was in America's Got Talent, and it was exactly the same thing. He was like, no, that was kind of rehearsed. That really 
didn't happen just like that. So it's you know, I really... it's so much like that with reality TV in general. Oh, yeah. And I actually had to stop watching it a few years ago because I just I felt like it was just they they call it reality TV, but it is not reality at all. And it no. is so much like that that you you can tell it's like they will just clip together reactions to like yeah. basically feed you a story, and it's it's completely false. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But you're made to feel like it's real. So it's like, a, it's like, it's trickery. <laughs> yeah. well, I can't remember what year it was, but it was when reality shows became the big thing. I think, well, 1999, there was a writer's strike. And I remember Survivor was made because it was, it was like a summer replacement because there was no writers. And one, they were saying, that. when that became really big, the writers were saying, I want credit for this. Do you think that they just walk in a room and this happens? He goes, no, we make this happen. And they actually fought to get, with the writer's guild to get paid as writers because it's like no we don't just put the turn the cameras on everything happens we sort of right. make this happen so i agree with you and the other thing i this is my personal opinion what i have against these reality shows is i hate the, I, what happened to the days of like the 20 night over 20 year overnight success where you have to pay your dues people get up on stage they sing once or twice and also they go on a world tour they don't even know what it's like to experience being a rock star or being you know that that big and they jump right into it they didn't really go through the struggle like i'm using an example like bands i like when they're driving in a van for years going from club to club yeah trying to, so i mean i think that they're missing out on a lot like i met constantine and supposedly he's going to be on the show he that's so cool <laughs> yeah he turned it into a pretty good career with broadway and other things so some people are able to turn it but I, for me, I never really, I did watch it when it first came out. Like the first year was Kelly Clarkson and uh, Justin <laughs> back in, I think 2001. Yeah. And, then, and that was when I said, after that, I just, nah, I can't watch this anymore. I know. I really liked it, you know, growing up. I thought it was cool. I, I always thought I would be on it one day because, yeah. you know, I really wanted to sing. And I think I watched it even past like the Carrie Underwood days. Um, but yeah, there's so many people, like you said, that they're, it, it is like an expedited process of um, taking like a normal average person who might sing at a coffee shop and then putting them out in front of millions of people uh, and being like, here you go, shove you into the spotlight, see how you like stardom. And I know there's some people it just never worked out for. Like when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, like David Archuleta, like that yeah. one guy, he had that one song that, uh, is it real or just another crush? Do you catch your breath? And I actually still listen to that song. It's very catchy, but <laughs> <laughs> very, very cheesy. But he, that was it. Like he, I don't, I don't know his story, but it was probably just like too much for him. He was very young. I think he was only like 16 or 17. And, uh, you know, this kid gets shoved into the spotlight and then he realized, probably realizes like, oh yeah, this business is, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of rough. And this life is not maybe what I wanted. And And you don't really know that if you, unless you go through the, you know, go through the, the motions of setting up a tour, building a band, booking your own shows, you exactly. know, trying to, trying to, you know, pave your own way. It does, it takes time. And, and I think through that, there's so much sifting and sorting. That's like, all right, this is for me. This is not for me. And you don't know it until you, you know, you go through that. Well, I think the funniest thing, this was years ago when it was the original with Simon Cowell, um, Randy and Paul Abdul, yeah. and they were on the Howard yeah. Stern show and they had, I can't, the guy won a Grammy. It was from, I think it was a song. I'm 
yeah, it's, it's hard to remember because it's been so long, but I think it was a song in the Spider-Man movie. Whatever it was, he won a Grammy the night before. So he had glasses on, a hat, and he came into the Howard Stern show, and, and you're like, Howard's like, well, why don't you, uh, you know, you guys are judges. Why don't you see what he thinks, what you think of him? So he sang the song he won the night before, and you're like, yeah, we really don't see it. We really, you know, I don't really see a career for you in music and all that. And then he took off his glasses, you're like, I'm the guy that wrote that song. I won a Grammy last night. I can't believe you didn't even recognize me. So I think it's funny that wow. sometimes I think they just say things again for like, especially Simon was, you know, people, you love being the bad guy. And it, it was more for the the TV. It was more for uh, entertainment. Oh, yeah. Just like oh, saying, my God. Yeah. And that's why I laugh, too, because imagine people like Neil Young or Bob Dylan trying out right now say, and Janis Joplin go, nah, your voice sucks. There's no way you you're know, ever making music. I think about that so much when I, I'm listening to like, you know, old um, like Sirius XM will listen to like the 70s or 80s channel. And even like just listening to like the Grateful Dead, which Michael loves yeah. the Grateful Dead. So we listen to a lot of them. And I'm like, wow, there's so many spots where they're like off. They're like out of tune, like, like the like the rhythm's not perfect or you know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many imperfections. And I'm just like, that would just not fly today because everything is so like everyone's voice is completely corrected. Everyone's, you know, uh, all of the drums are exactly on like their yeah. machines, you know? And it's, um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I like it. It's cool that like music can be so precise like that, but it also does take a little bit of the, or pretty much a lot of the soul out of it too. Exactly. So it's like, I like that new electronic sound that really like, you know, heavy 808 <laughs> sounding dance track stuff. I, I can enjoy that, but I can also see how it like just strips the, you know, the realness out of it. Yep. Now, for you, when you record, do you record live or do you go back and I'm, I'm guessing what you just said that you don't over record, over record to make it sound perfect, but you want it to sound good, obviously. But do you. Yeah. When you record, tell me your process. Yeah. Um, so pretty much we'll do like four to five takes of at least the the lead vocal. We'll do like four to five takes of everything. That way. um you know, Danny can sift through and just kind of find the best take. And then if we need to pitch correct here and there, we'll do yeah. a little bit, but it's never to the point where I sound like a robot or like, it's really just to kind of polish, you know? Yeah. Um, but I never want to sound like, unless it's the sound I'm going for, unless I make like a really, really cool dance track and I want to be like very yeah. Euro pop, um, you know, my stuff is always going to sound very true to my natural voice because I also would hate to go out onto a sh like, to a show and and sing and be like, wow, she does that sounds nothing like her record, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we so we do we try to get the best stuff we can naturally so that not a lot has to be done. Yeah, well, that's why I laughed. I'm try trying to think of what musician said this. This was probably late '90s, early 2000s, and they were basically lip syncing. And they said, well, it's so hard to dance and sing at the same time. And I said, do we yeah. have people like Michael Jackson and Madonna who can do both? Yeah. You can do it too. Yeah. It's just, I'm not going to pay, but I think back then it was maybe like $80 instead of $200 now to see a mm -hmm. concert. So I'm not going to pay $80 to see a band lip sync to the album that I can listen to at home. Yeah. And 
Yeah. So true. You want that, you want that realness. You want to be there for the experience. And if they're off a little bit, fine, (laughs) but most likely if they're trained and they're that good, everything's going to be great. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when Ashley Simpson was on the, uh, it was the first thing I thought of when when I thought that's where you were going. It was the first thing I thought of. I was like, that is mortifying. Well, you know what's so funny? Right. I did not realize this either. Did you ever hear of the band Millie Vanilli? You... Yeah. All right. Do you know the story of that? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. These, um, I'm not sure where they were. I'm thinking maybe they were Jamaican or something. They were these two young guys, and yeah. they had they had this really good look, and they're singing all these songs, pop hits. And what happened was, I didn't even realize it happened in Connecticut. It's a place called um, Lake Compound. It's an amusement okay. park. They have concerts there. The tape either a record skip the tape went dead something happened and they were found they were lip syncing and it was really two old fat white guys that were singing the songs but what happened was they didn't have the look so they had millie vanilli sing lip sync all the songs but what happened was they got called out in connecticut i didn't realize oh that. my god yeah you can look it up after the show it was a big thing i am gonna have to look that up that is crazy yep and what happened was because they could they could barely speak english too and so what happened was is one of them tried to go on a career on his own and he ended up committing suicide i don't know if that was the oh. major reason but yeah his life just went downhill because he goes no i can really sing and he could barely speak english oh and, no yeah it was just it was yeah i want to say that was uh, was late 80s early okay. 90s yeah we were on a uh we were on a road trip i keep saying road trips because i guess we've been on a lot of road trips we like to listen to a lot of music on the road trips and we were listening to millie vanilli one time we were kind of going back through like the 80s 80s <laughs> and 90s jams yeah uh, so yeah that's funny yep I'll no, to look that, that up yeah unfortunately it did not end well for them but it's just funny because no. like that's when uh I mean, maybe I don't think that was the beginning of it, but that's when more of like the look became more important in the music. For for me, it never was more important. That's why I like, right. you know, like the stuff like you know your stuff, the independent stuff, and even like the like the sixties. Like, look at Janis Joplin was not the most attractive woman in the world, but she had a hell of a voice. And she was yeah. she had some great songs, and it's just uh, I, I prefer things like that where yeah, like you said, being genuine. They're being them and. Well, you you made another great point too. Is like you listen to bands like the Grateful Dead, and you're like, this really wasn't perfect, but who cares? They're having fun. The audience is loving it, and yes, and, and it's it's great music. It's timeless too. Yes. I mean, yeah, there's so much stuff. Um, like uh, Tracy Chapman. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of her stuff is just absolutely timeless? And um, she might not be singing completely on every single note hitting every single note exactly perfect but that was also a sign of the times too oh no exactly yeah i mean now you have like the world at your fingertips you can make yourself as you said sound so perfect you don't even have to go into a studio anymore you could do everything on your computer if you want to so for you do you do you record in a studio with danny yes you do? Yes. So the stuff that I did for the Young and the Restless, I actually recorded at my house um, because I have my own like it's not really a studio, but it's it's kind of like a pop up studio. I have a little mic and a little, you know, uh, not, not a styrofoam, but like the, you know, the noise canceling foam and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some nice headphones. I, I got myself a little set up. Um, but as far as everything that's being put out on Spotify, yes, I recorded some stuff, uh, at the Lake House studio in Asbury park and 
then um, I just did Runaway Ship at Rose Dome Studio, Danny's studio uh, up in Summit. So yeah, those those are both you know professional professional studios. Yep. Well, the, I did hear one collaboration when I was um, checking you out on Spotify. It was with Sydney Jones. Let's talk about that. The song was called Open Your Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my friend, Sydney. She's a really awesome person. We're actually we're working on another project together right now. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the process with that, I actually recorded my my the part of like my part here at my house she recorded her part at her house and then uh she you know she mixed and leveled everything and added all the instrumentation so she she did a lot of work on that one but um but yeah we kind of co co-created co-wrote the lyrics together um and just kind of put out this message of um expanding you know expanding your mind and not letting your thoughts take you for too far of a ride, at least in a negative direction. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, you know what? You you mentioned how you record that song, and you, um, there's a Connecticut band. It's more uh, progressive rock. Like, yes, the band, yes, they're similar to that in a way. Fate's Warning. Have you ever heard of them? No. All right. Well, they're a band that came out in the early, no, mid-80s, and they're still touring now. The reason I bring them up was because um, it, it goes to the point what you said the singer lives in los angeles the drummer lives in arizona so they all live in different areas but what they do is they record their own parts just send it to the engineer and he so they're not even in the same state not even it's even, so crazy yeah. i remember when i first heard of you know like when i first started noticing i'm sure it had gone on way before this but when i first started noticing a lot of artists collaborating like in the early 2000s like remember when eminem did a song with like every big artist like he did yeah. the, the love the way you lie with rihanna and like yeah and i remember listening to interviews around then and this is i'm probably in early high school at the time and i'm hearing like oh yeah we weren't even in the same room like i did it at my studio and he did it at his studio and i was like <laughs> i did not know you could even do that and uh i'm sure that happens all the time now like i'm sure when artists get together to perform the songs together it's probably the first time they've ever done it live because so much co-writing is done digitally yeah see for me i don't know about you i want your opinion on this i feed off the the energy so i would prefer yeah. to do it with the person at the in the same room just because it would just bring out i think a better performance for me are you similar i mean i know you record that song in separate rooms but do you like that the uh that live aspect of it, the energy. Yeah, I definitely would prefer that. And actually even um, a lot of the songs that I've recorded at Lake House, um, Danny was in there rocking out to guitar while Chris is playing the drums and I'm doing like a scratch vocal in the, you know, in the other room where we're kind of all cohesively working together to just get the vibe down, you know? And, uh, and then I went in and recorded my vocals separately, um, you know, in the, uh, in the sound booth by myself um yeah. but we wanted that we wanted the drums and the guitar to to really like vibe with each other so that's why they had you know I, they decided to do that at the same time um and I thought that was a really a really cool process and I would prefer to do it like that because I think there's just I don't know there's only so much you get from hearing something like when you can kind of vibe off each other's body language and energy like there's just something to that that you can't really replicate with just like listening to a track i feel 
Oh, exactly. So you and you and I are on the same page with a lot of different things. So the, the yeah. way. <laughs> so obviously, everybody knows uh, the pandemic of 2020. That must have been a big hit for you. And most of the musicians I spoke with did a lot of writing during that time to keep themselves busy. What about you? Yeah, so it's, that was around the time I still wasn't actively trying to perform. Oh. So in that way, I was, it, it didn't really affect me so much in that way. But I will say that I was working from home a lot more. So I was diving and I was picking up my guitar more often and I was writing more. And I, um, I'm not sure if I wrote Runaway Ship during that time, but there were a few other songs that I absolutely wrote during that time. Um, because there were no, like, there were no trade shows going on. You know, I was working from my laptop <laughs> and, yeah. um, and yeah, so I, I had a lot more downtime to kind of dive into that. And, uh, I think there's, you know, some really beautiful stuff that ended up coming out of that really weird time. <laughs> well, I mentioned in the intro that it was a traumatic experience in 2021 that brought you back into music. What was that? Yeah. Um, so in 2021, my dad suddenly passed away. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, it was completely out of the blue. And it one of the last things that we had talked about, one of the last, you know, because you get really nostalgic and you start looking through text messages. And one of the last things he sent me was a picture of his laptop screen. And it was him listening to my 2012 EP that I put out, um, yeah. you know, and I was like, 17, 18. And it was just such a clear message to me that in order for me to get through something really heavy like this, uh, I'm going to need some tools. And, uh, you know, in addition to exercising and getting outside and moving my body and crying a lot and all of that, it was yeah. like, you need to sing and you need to get, you need to write music. And honestly, even to this day, I have not written a song about his passing because a lot of the stuff is just coming from a place of pure creativity and introspective stuff and a lot of joy and I just don't feel the need to even like write sad stuff really right now I'm, I'm more just focused on like keeping the vibe as high as it can be and writing stuff that's really um inspiring i think that's like the biggest thing i'm trying to do right now is just inspire other people because that is kind of keeping me going well you know i love that you said that and the just the several songs that you mentioned what they're about i love the message of those songs and you brought up a great point that it can be done like that because I've heard so many people say like, oh, you know, sometimes when people be, are too happy in their life, that's when they're least creative is like when they have the most uh, conflict happening. That's when all the creative juices flow. But you're proving that you don't, I mean, that got you started to go back into it, but that's not what's fueling you. And I love that. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I felt for a while, especially after I first started dating my, my now fiance, I felt for a while, like, well, I don't know, I've got like, I've got a good job. I'm in a steady relationship. Like what, what can I, what's there to write about? Right. Yeah. And I kind of go back to a lot of my old songs and it's like, you know, you broke my heart and I don't know if you're going to, be here for me next year. And like, you know, like very, or, you know, it just has to do with like, you know, uh, young heartbreak a lot of the time. And so now kind of 
diving into a place of like, if I want to write a song about heartbreak, I'm, I have to do it from somebody else's perspective because mm-hmm. right now I just, I haven't experienced that in my, my adult life other than like losing other people. But I mean, like relationship wise, it's like, yeah. if I want to write a breakup song, then I gotta, like, I just have to be able to sort of like what Taylor Swift has been doing, honestly, yeah. like she has been trying to write stories from other people's perspectives and I totally see why she's doing that because you can only draw so much from your own personal life so that's why I like getting inspiration from reading books or um I don't know even just like imagining another story um or another person's life or another struggle um you can really you can tap into that and then let your creative go which is a really cool process to do because you can kind of see how good of a storyteller you are from something that like didn't even happen and guess what I can bet you that the story that you tell is going to impact someone in a way that they can like really get on like a I don't know like a visceral level like they'll be able to they'll be like wow I experienced just that and you're like oh cool then I'm tapping into it for you (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. I, I love that. You know, it's funny because you brought Taylor Swift. Everybody makes fun of her. It's like, oh, the, another breakup song. Here we go. So totally. brought this up and you can um, tell me, because I don't know some, but um, I was talking about this with uh, one of my friends. Didn't Miley recently write a song? Was it about Liam Hemsworth? It was like, just really went after. I can't remember which, what the name of the song was. but was it a That's the song? Flowers one. Oh, that it, is the one. Okay. It, yeah. yeah, it's flowers and it's the the song, yes, but the video more. The video okay. had a lot of like Easter eggs, they call them. Yeah. Um, that pointed to their relationship and its demise and like some of the stuff that happened um, you know, in the relationship, which I think that stuff actually really um not that the song isn't great and super catchy, but I think just people like love to look for that kind of stuff and when when it has a story and it it involves these two like beautiful celebrities they get really invested into it and so I think that that also really helped catapult the numbers (laughs) people love drama (laughs) oh yeah I mean it's yeah rubbernecking right we're all like what happened (laughs) we all have to know that's why I love the fact that it's like, instead of writing about real drama, you write about fake drama and it ends up on fake drama television, like Young and the Restless. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love watching the episodes too. So I can hear my songs. Like I just, I absolutely love, cause I don't, I've never really been a soap opera person. Yeah. Like my sister really liked General Hospital. I think she listened to, or she watched a lot. Uh, I never really got into them. So I mean, of course, everyone sees clips of them when you go home and it's like, I go home from school and I'd flip on the TV. And of course there's a soap opera on at 3 PM, but like I never sat down to watch it. So like, you know, this day and age watching them, I'm just like, wow, these stories are so intricate and like so dramatic and like, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, it's funny is if your sister watches General Hospital, have you ever heard of Max Gale? He, well, he's a big time actor. Did you ever hear the show Barney Miller from the seventies? Oh, all right. Well, it's another one. I'm going to give you a list of things to look yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Right. You'll have to send me after this. You'll have to give me a Facebook message with all the stuff I got to look up. Well, no, the reason <laughs> I bring him up was because when I, I interviewed him and he recently won two Emmys for General Hospital. He oh, played, very um, cool. He I'm, I'm not sure if you watched that at all, but he had I don't know if he played the uncle or the father with Alzheimer's. It was several years ago. It was OK. OK. Yeah. So, no, I never I never really got into it. And my sister watched it back when she was like in high school and in college, but she hasn't watched it in a while. OK, 
Well, you yeah. know, I have, it's funny because I never really got into those, but I have a lot of res- actually I have a lot more respect for those shows after talking to people that were in it and people that were a part of it because it's, I mean, the writing is just nonstop. They said like the, the couple of the actors I spoke with said, you know, on a movie, you fill a couple scenes, you take a break for a couple hours here. It's like, bam, 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 bam. They said they couldn't even keep up with everything. So it's just impressive. I was like thinking about that because there's a new episode every day, like yeah. Monday through Friday. And I'm like, I mean, I don't even know if they take breaks for seasons. Do they like, do they, I don't know. Is it all year round? I don't even know, but that's an insane amount of work for everybody on those teams. And the like expedite the expediting process or like the turnaround time. Yeah. Um, there must be a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's like the writer's like, how are we gonna what are we gonna do with this? And then they'll come up with the in, the most insane cliffhangers. Like, how are they gonna resolve this? And then completely turns it around. I love it. Yeah. So I don't really watch a lot of them, but I I know enough about them to know what happens on these shows. Yeah. That that they're fun. And I'm, and I'm glad. I mean, they've been in, on for how long? Like 40, 50 years? I think The Young and the Restless has been on a long time. I want to say at least like 30 years or something like that. It's been on for a long time. So it's now, it's got a proven track record. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you, do you um, get paid well when you get a song on one of the soap operas? We're going to see. We're going to see. Oh. I still don't know yet. Um, it takes a long time for the reporting to end up in an ASCAP. I go through ASCAP. Yeah. Um, so it does take a long time. I had a lot of people tell me like, well, it'll it'll be a nice payday in a year. Oh, good. <laughs> like, okay. So I, don't, I still don't know. Um, but honestly, at this point, it's not like I, I don't care in the long run, like about, you know, the, the money at all, because obviously like it would be great to be able to like, you know, make an income off of getting like my song sync licensed. I think that's, that's yeah. also another goal for me too. It's like, yeah, I would love to tour and play live, but it would also be really cool to keep getting songs and TV shows and movies and whatnot, because I do hear that is what, what pays really well. But not only that, like, it's just so cool and still really surreal for me to say that I have a song or two songs now on like daytime TV. I just think that that's insane. Um, yeah. And both of them I recorded in my apartment, which is wild <laughs> um yeah so so that's i didn't remember your original question i got lost but no, the reason, no what i was asking you was like um i wasn't sure since it's such a big show and it's played all over the place and it's oh, played yeah. all time do you get it do you get paid well for having a, yes. show, a song on a soap opera yeah so we will see hopefully by the ne- our next interview i'll be able to let you know but right. um but yeah, I'm looking forward to just like seeing what comes out of that. And and either way, I'm stoked to have a song on TV, but it would be a bonus if, uh, if oh, it yeah. made some good money. <laughs> well, you know what's funny too is uh, not too long ago, somebody mentioned this Mongolian band to me and I saw, I ended up seeing them in Toad's Place. I downloaded it. I said, these guys are great. I said, how did you hear them? She goes, oh, it's one of my video games. So she was getting band, referring bands from playing that she heard in video games. So that's another outlet that you could probably get some songs on and people would say, wow, who is this? Yeah, there's so much uh, content being created, right? Like yeah. YouTube, uh, games, just, I'm, I don't know, like there's, there's an endless amount and technology is not going anywhere. And I don't think um, like, you know, the life of necessarily like influencers and content creators is, is going anywhere anytime soon. So there's really just going to be a need for more and more uh, music and content. 
Yeah, most definitely. Well, I think you're getting back into music at just the perfect time because the pandemic for the most part is hopefully over for good. And I think yeah. that in one way, I think the pandemic was good for music. And here's what I mean. I think it made people appreciate going out more because before I'd go see a show, like I mentioned a couple of the breweries or a couple of the clubs that I used to go to to see bands and I'd be like maybe me and a couple of stragglers. Now I get there, it's packed, people are having fun. I think people appreciate that it might not always be there for them. Yeah, you don't know what you got till it's gone. That's for sure. And um, yeah, so maybe maybe it is really the best time. I think too, also, like I always kind of had this perspective that if I was going to make it big, I had to do it when I was like 18 or 19. And if it didn't happen by then or, you know, 20, if it didn't happen by then, then like, you know, the pop star life wasn't for me. And maybe the pop star life isn't for me now at this point, but maybe that's not what I was meant to do. You know, maybe um, the indie, the indie folk rock, pop side of me has has a chance to shine now and I've also you know I've had more experiences in my life I've, I've been running a business for a long time now so I think I'm able to uh, maybe stand up for myself a little bit more in situations where probably when I was like 17 or 18 I just would have signed anything or like you know taken anyone's word for anything because I just would have wanted uh, my dream so bad. So I think, you know, in, in many aspects, it's, it is, it feels like the right time. It's felt like the right time for the last year to be dipping my toe back into music. And I just really can't believe all the momentum that's taken place so far. I, I think yeah. I'm still in shock a little bit by it. Congratulations. In a yeah, good no, way. So, I, I love it. I'm so happy for you because I love you. the music. I'm, and I don't know if, like I said, I was going through your Facebook and I saw something said with the number 4 million. Was that, I don't know what that, what maybe I'd have to go back and see what it was, but I know you said 10,000 within the first five days and you told me yeah. like you're up to 70,000, but there was, I saw there was like a million, 40,000, 40, maybe. That's, yeah. For, so I got 40,000 streams within, I think it was like two and a half weeks or three weeks. I can't remember, but it was, I remember being like, whoa, that's really cool. Cause yeah. already got it. Um, I, I got to about 45,000 streams within my, the first month. And I got to like 70,000 streams yeah. with runaway ship in the first month. So I, I just think that momentum is really cool. Um, and I, I appreciate like everyone that's listened to my stuff so far. Um, I just, I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, also, I think, I mean, I'm not sure, but now that you're self-employed, so maybe it's easier. It could be wrong. You can correct me if I am, but it's easier for you if you want to take off for a little while, do some shows instead of like trying to request time off from your boss. I want to take, I'm going on tour for a week or two. And so now you could just tell your husband, like, hold down the fort. I'll be back. I mean, I don't know if it's that easy for you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In some aspects it is. Um, in some aspects it definitely is. I think it's been a little bit of a balancing act. Um, you know, part of me feels like, well, if I just worked a nine to five, then like I could come home and, you know, I wouldn't have the pressure of running a company on my back necessarily. And like at five o'clock, it would be like music time. And yeah. some days I'm at work till six thirty, seven o'clock. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like other days I, I have that freedom to be able to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna take half the day over here, or I'm going to take the whole day and go, you know, record a song. I do have that flexibility and that freedom. And I think that is absolutely a gift. And I, um, I work on not taking that for granted pretty often. <laughs> yeah. 
do you always have something with you just in case um, inspiration hits you at the, do you ever get up at three in the morning? It's like, I got to write this down before I forget it. <laughs> um, I do a lot of voice memos because I forget so quickly. Yeah. Um, I go back and listen to my voice memos and I'm like, wow, I, I really have no <laughs> recollection of, of that. And I kind of, it's kind of funny thinking of how people would have had to do it, I guess, you know, years and years ago when you didn't have, I guess, I think a tape recorder, <laughs> like, you know, if you had a tape recorder on you, you could record your, your little melody real quick. Um, really grateful for that technology though, because, uh, you could always write down the lyrics to something or the words of something, but maybe you wouldn't remember the melody, you know? So it's cool to be able to just do both real quick on a voice memo. It's funny you said that because I never even thought of that until I heard an interview with Paul McCartney. And he was saying that the early Beatles songs were so simple because they couldn't record it back then in the very beginning. And he had yeah. to write, make them easy so that he wouldn't forget what they were. And I said, wow, I never thought about that because he goes, now, as you mentioned, we have so much technology. We, you know, the voice memo at three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, this is what I want it to sound like. Cause I know like me, it's like a dream. You wake up and you're like, oh, it's fresh in your head. Then like about an hour later, like, what was that dream again? And you completely yeah. forget. So yeah but so that's good that you just do you, with your process do you maybe write a little bit of a melody down put it to the side and go back to it and say oh it would fit in good with this or do you just say i'm gonna make a song from start to finish before you go on to another one i think it um i think it depends sometimes songs come really easy to me like there's been a few songs i think runaway ship i wrote in an afternoon like a couple yeah. of hours uh, and then of course like the final product that you hear took a lot more time as far as like Danny's concerned you know he really helped me shape that and 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 mold it into what it is but the basic structure was there in an afternoon um with all the lyrics and everything and then some songs like I'm working on one right now that I love the verse I love the pre-chorus I love the chorus but like I just need the bridge to go somewhere so I'm kind of kind of take I'm taking some time then I'll come back to that and maybe I'll have a new, you know, perspective on it because sometimes when you're too close to the art, it's hard to kind of see past your own. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a really cool, a really cool thing that the um, Lake House Academy kind of opened me up to was co-writing. And I hadn't really done that in a long time, at least not seriously. And I was, you know, put in a room with uh, a bunch of other students and we would write songs together. And sometimes... I would hear things a certain way and then somebody else would bring something up and be like, Oh, what about if we said this? <clears throat> I never would have thought of that and mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have been a direction I would have gone in, but it ended up being really cool. You know, it ended up the final product was um, a nice blend of kind of everyone's personalities and everyone's style, like writing styles. And I think that that's, that's really awesome um, to be able to collaborate like that. Yeah. Well, I also think it's awesome that you're open-minded enough because some people might say, nope, this is my baby. This is the way I want yeah. it. I don't care. I, I know what I like. I don't, nobody's going to tell me to change it. So I love the fact that you're open-minded enough to say, you know what? That's a great idea. Never even thought of it like that. And it's funny because I have a self-published book and when I was writing the stories, what I would do is I'd write the whole draft first. And then I would wait a couple of weeks and go back to it because if I wrote, if I reread it before I started editing it right away. It's like, oh, this and this, it was still too close to me. But then if yeah. I give it a couple of weeks and then it would be 
fresh to me again. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. And then that would yeah. actually spark things like, oh, you know what? Maybe if I do this instead. So it's very similar. To, I know exactly what you're saying because it was very similar with the way I wrote the book. Yeah. You yeah. need like you need a fresh perspective. You need to be able to take a step back. And then I think you can actually appreciate. And like you said, you forget. And then you're like, oh, that's really cool that I did that. <laughs> you yeah. know, I like how I did that. <laughs> that so was that. I used to say that too. It's like, boy, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was. This is actually pretty damn good. I might buy right? this myself. <laughs> yeah, a little confidence boost. I love it. So right now you're having a great time playing, singing. Do you ever in the future or maybe, uh, you know, something you thought about maybe behind the scenes, like a producer? Um, <clears throat> I feel like, I feel like maybe more songwriter. Like if I don't ever make it, you know, as the star, which yeah. that's my first, I'm a Leo. Come on. I want to. So I, am I. I wanna, so. <laughs> yeah. so you get it. Yes, I do get it. Every, you know, what's so funny. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure how much stock I put into the, the horoscope, but I right, have to say right. one thing. I don't know how many times people come up to me and say, you're a Leo. I said, how do you know? Just the way you are. And I don't, <laughs> there's the gotta be something are. to it. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, just... there's, I know, I, I don't, it's like your, your horoscope source, you got to yeah. tread lightly, you got to, you definitely got to tread lightly, but I think there is some validity to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, if I were to like, you know, take a step back from wanting to be in the spotlight, I would really love to write songs for other artists. And that's something that I'm still really open-minded to as well. Um, I don't know as far as like, how good how like lucrative of a career it is now compared to what it maybe used to be especially because the age of streaming and then like royalties versus one-time payouts and all this kind of stuff that like I, I just want to write I would love to write a, a hit song of that's yeah. everyone's dream right but I don't care if I even sing it it would be cool to to sell it to an artist um that that already has an established following and and uh you know, people even do that. Like Taylor Swift, she just wrote songs. Uh, she just wrote a song for Sugarland. She writes songs for other bands all the time. And, and you might not know it. Actually, um, do you know that song that's like, uh, oh my gosh, it's it's a song Rihanna sang with, um, it was a Calvin Harris Rihanna song. It was like, baby, this is what you came for. Lightning strikes every time she moves everybody's watching her but she's looking at you, you do you know that one i have heard it now that you after you sang it i do remember it like i wouldn't have okay. known by the okay. name but yeah so she wrote that song like it's oh. like you would you would never know um but she's kind of behind the scenes doing stuff too and i wouldn't i really wouldn't mind doing that i think that that would be a lot of fun yeah what's funny you said that because uh Prince wrote, he did it under different names. He didn't want people to know for some reason, but he wrote a song for Kenny Rogers. He wrote, I think the Bangles. I don't know if he was walk like an Egyptian, but he wrote a couple of their songs. And so, yeah, he wrote definitely. And um, did you ever hear, I'm sure you know the songs, maybe you don't know the name, Carol King. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, I saw the play. There's a play called Beautiful. It's about her life. It's such a, one of the best um, Broadway shows I've ever seen. But the first half is all about her in the 60s, and she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for writing. But then what happened was she went through a horrible divorce with her co-writer, and that brought out Tapestry, and she was going to 
have other people sing it and they said no this is way too close to me i need to sing and then she became a big star on her own but yeah back in the 60s there was almost every artist had another artist write a song from them. and it still goes on now but it's not as known or people don't really yeah like you said i would have never known taylor swift wrote that i would have never known prince wrote these other songs until after he died it all came out right so yeah, yeah. but i think that that's a good thing i, I mean that would be pretty if you if you can't be singing that song on stage it'd be Great to see. A perfect example is Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees. He wrote, they said, like, behind McCartney and Lennon, he has the most number one singles ever written. I mean, a couple oh, examples wow. were Islands in the Stream with Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. He wrote Grease, Frankie oh, Valley wow. sang it. So, yeah, it's just that songs that you would never, ever expect that one person wrote. He says, no, this is it's not for me. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, I would take it. <laughs> yeah no it's just in you know what you make so many i mean from there to for example is carol king you make so many connections do this and do that and maybe that will jump start if you didn't have the career already going full steam where you want it to be it might right. jump start it in another way so yeah. i say just yeah i i love that attitude just do it and so far have you it. yeah so far it sounds like you're just having a great time doing that's what i think the most important part i mean just interviewing you you could tell that you love what you do. You have a passion for it. You're great at it. So Thank when you, you when, when you have all those things going for you, I can't imagine anything not happening for you. Oh, I appreciate that. I know it's like there's, it's a big pond out there. And I know there's a lot of fish in the sea. And I know uh, it is a, it's a very saturated market, but I don't know. Like, I just think nothing happens if you don't try. Like, it'll never happen if you don't try. And even if, I never, you know, make it on the radio or, you know, have this big tour. Nothing I've done is wasted. It's, uh, it's all been a lot of fun and it's all been a really, like a really rewarding experience for me, no matter what. So it's like, there's, there's no losing here, you know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're having a great time doing it. You're, and I say continue and hopefully this will be a little bit inspiring for you. Did you ever hear the name Rodney Dangerfield? The, you would know, eh, I get no respect. He's a comedian. Okay, no okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've heard so that. I've he, heard that. What happened was he tried to be a comedian. He goes, if I don't make it by 30, I'm just going to give up. That's it. Mm. So he became like a roof tile salesman, something to that effect. But he never stopped writing jokes. And what happened was he was 50 years old. He goes, I'm just going to try it again. He came out with that whole sticker, like, eh, no respect. And it took off. So he didn't make it until he was 50 years old. Now he's a wow. comedy legend. So yeah, just, and I think personally what you were saying before, and you said like, you know, if I didn't think if I made it before 18, I think the older you are, the more you know yourself, the more you know what you like, the more you know what you don't like. And I think yeah. that's when you're going to be better and stronger. So sometimes I think it's better that you don't make, because we talked about that with the people that do open mics and they go to American Idol and bam, they're playing Madison Square Garden and they don't know what to do. Yeah. But yeah. somebody like yeah. you who's, starting off maybe a little bit slow which i don't even i mean ten thousand streams in five days is not that slow for me <laughs> but that's pretty good in 70 so i think that you know starting off where you are and just working your way up to that is actually going to be better in the long run because you're going to be prepared when it does happen instead of just like yeah whoa <laughs> yeah. My, my fingers are crossed from your lips to god's ears all right <laughs> well i'm going to keep spreading the word about you on the claws corner and we definitely have to have oh. you back Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to be back. I'll be putting out songs probably between every six to nine weeks. So, 
you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to promote them. So <laughs> once again, Shauna, thank you very much for giving me another great guest. I really do appreciate that. Yes. We love Shauna. Yeah. She is the best. <laughs> so before we go though, do, is there anything that I did not go over that you want to talk about? Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to mention? Um, I don't think, I don't think so. I just, uh, thank you for like listening to my stuff and, and liking it, you yourself, and then any of your viewers, uh, anyone that's watching this and just, you know, kind of keep an eye on where my stuff's going. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and, you know, just keep up with my social media. Cause I'll be posting about everything I'm doing on there. All right. Well, I definitely look forward to many big things in the future for you and look forward to having you back as a guest to talk all about it. I appreciate it. I can't wait. All right. Well, that wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to musician Julia Porman for taking time out of her very busy schedule to be on the show. Congratulations on all of your recent success. I look forward to many big things coming up in the near future as we've been discussing. I also need to thank editor extraordinaire John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing this show each and every week and making it available to all. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. We breathe.